0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to tonight's edition of Pages in Stages, an auditory experience. My name is Joelle, and I am the Vibrarian. I'm here to elevate, enlighten, and empower you with information that I hope that you will find helpful and uplifting. And every Sunday, I'm here for this particular podcast called Pages and Stages, where I am sharing with you books that I find interesting. And every week, we turn the page to another stage of the story. I'm so glad that you are tuned in this evening on the Vibray Radio Network. And we're here throughout the week. I've got a few shows that come out, hoping to spread joy and information to people. On Tuesdays, we have the Psychic Inside Show, and I interview people about their journeys, discovering their unique gifts and abilities. It's always a fascinating conversation to learn how people gifts are manifesting and what all they've gone through on the way to uncovering themselves. And on Thursday is the Vibrarian Show, and it is an exploration of any topic that I want to talk about or that you want to talk about, things that are coming up in the collective. We're talking about anything. There are no holds bars. It can be from aliens to angels, the past lives to energy, healing, and everything in between. You can find the schedule and the upcoming broadcast on Blog Talk Radio under the Vibrary, and you can also connect with past episodes of the shows that have been on on the Vibraries YouTube channel. Now, the Vibrarian is like a library, only it's filled with high vibrational information. And you can find that at V-I-B-E, as in energy, R-A-R-Y. That's on Facebook and on Blog Talk Radio. Um, on Facebook, excuse me, you can look for me under the Vibrarian. And that's V-I-B-E-R-A-R-I-A-N. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, if you have something that was positive, uplifting, that brought a smile to your face or a giggle to your heart, something that inspired you to make a change in your life, a a good deed that was done, something to pay it forward, please just tag me. You can tag Good Vibe Tribe or you can tag The Vibrarian. I would love to pass along your messages to other people because, as we know, when we all do well, it spreads like wildfire through the collective and we can uplift each other throughout this experience that we have out in social media. Now, here on this show, you can call in to the phone lines at 646 During the reading, if you have any discussion that you want to have after the chapters are read for the evening, please just press 1. Let me know that you want to come on the air with a point or purpose. And if you want to catch up on the previous episodes, of previous chapters of tonight's story, please do visit the library on YouTube. Now, I am a librarian, and so I do love a good story. And so this particular series came out of my love of reading and reading aloud, sharing a good book with others. So the story we're currently engaged in is called The Turnaround Time by Liz Grumman Nolan, and this is a story that covers a twin flame journey from the time of Atlantis until present day. Now, the first few chapters were action-packed and filled with lots of twists and turns. I've been thoroughly enjoying the story so far. And we're going to proceed this evening with Chapter 4. Now, when we last left the story last week... Our main character had just finished hearing from her spirit guide a very powerful and strong message. And as we're entering then Chapter 4, we've just finished that conversation. And without any further ado, we'll begin our stage for the evening of the turnaround time, starting with Chapter 4. Chapter 4 loss of the masculine her last sentence sounded very far away I felt a force pulling me into the purple glow everything went blank at first the fight I am standing in a peasant style powder blue dress watching the fight My love is a young tattooed pirate tanned from the sun. He has a brilliance about him. He is sword fighting another man. Standing in a large crowd of spectators, I can see only him. I am fixated on his bright blue eyes. He will not look at me. He is staring directly at his opponent. Nothing else in the world exists for him right now, not even me. I try to engage him, feeling a twinge of guilt at distracting him. I am convinced that our love can protect him. He is convinced that our love will weaken him. I turn towards someone calling my name, and I catch a glimpse of the beautiful ocean behind me. Its calmness is a stark contrast to the fight in front of me. My panic-stricken mother is running towards me. Behind her is our nursemaid with our twin infant daughters. I wave frantically, motioning them to go home, urgently insisting through the look on my face that they go back home immediately. This is not a safe place, but I need to be right where I am. I will stay. I turn back toward the fight. The opponent challenging my love is a man sent from the richer community led by the dark ones who are steadily increasing in numbers. My love had been stealing from the rich and helping the poor. He is willing to stand up to anyone who tries to stop him. He has a reputation as the fighter who never loses. I am watching the fight at the same location where our once clandestine courtship that led to my pregnancy first began. Our twin girls have barely seen him because he is often in battles. Yet standing there, I am reminded of many beautiful moments alone. He is always tender with me, nothing at all like the fighter I am seeing now. It scares me to see him like this. It seems to dismiss our connection, invalidate it. He looks filled with rage. I cannot stand that he avoids looking at me despite the fact that he is trying to win the fight by having complete concentration. I am still scarred from wounds in Atlantis, erased from my conscious memory that he may not be trustworthy. I cannot remember Atlantis or that he came back for me. I cannot remember that we are one soul. Fear is imprinted within me from when he left after the final conversation. As I watch him dance around his opponent, sword to sword, they appear more like friends than foes. Something feels off to me. I find myself unsettled. This does not feel like the usual fight. They are dancing around for too long. There is an air of tension and anticipation. I wonder if I should leave. Something feels wrong. I don't like it here. I turn to walk away, and someone viciously grabs me from behind, holding a cold knife to my neck. I am held tightly. It feels like steel. I cannot move. The crowd roars and opens towards me. Everyone moves back as the man threatens to kill me if anyone interferes. There is yelling. I see my mother far in the distance walking away. She is unaware that I am facing the premature ending of my life. I want to yell for her to come back. I am filled with regret at having waved her away. I silently scream for her to come back. Mom! My love is now looking at me. I see his terror. He is quickly assessing things as his eyes dart from side to side. The man holding me tells my love to fight like he means it or he will kill me. He is using me to bait my love. I am frozen in fear. He is holding me so tightly I cannot breathe. I see the opponent attacking my love. My love is frantic and impetuous now as the fight escalates. My love does something he has never done before during a fight. He looks back at me. In that moment, the opponent wounds him in the lower left groin. My love falls to the ground. I am completely devastated. I am aware that he can still fight, but he stays on the ground, exaggerating the injury to end it so that I will be safe. I try to run, but I am gripped harder by my assailant. Everything goes blank. The Gap Despite my love's attempts to end the fight and appear earnest in the battle, I was killed in cold blood. I find my love in an infirmary reading a note. The note is from the opponent who fought him. It says, I will get you out of here alive. I will transport you out of this land. It will not be long from now. I watch my love and I sense he feels that he cannot trust this friend. My love cannot see me. He is injured but alive. I can feel what is in his heart. He is planning a great act of revenge against my assailant. He will put his life at risk to do this. He is only interested in staying alive long enough to kill this man. I am unable to show my love in the physical world that I am still with him in spirit. My love's anger feels like a rigid barrier between us. I can feel that he has decided, because of what happened in the fight, that my presence weakens him and that it puts us in danger. I can feel his remorse and self-deprecation. I want to help him. I touch him with my hands. I speak to him. I watch him sleep for hours. I am devastated that he cannot feel me. I lie down next to him and I surround him with my love. He appears to feel none of this. Eventually, I hear my guide in the distance telling me that I must come to her. I do not want to leave my love. I know he needs me. I need our daughters. I begin ranting at her. I cannot leave. My love is sick. This is wrong. The girls are babies. Lovingly and with patience, my guide explains. You cannot stay in the physical world long after passing. You will lose energy. You will be in danger. You cannot hold on to the physical life you left. You cannot change what happened. The gap is growing between you and your twin. There is much to heal, and it will take time. He must complete his life there until the right time. Your twin is fueled with vengeance. The opponent your twin fought was a friend who played on both sides, so to speak. He was, in fact, Ruby from Atlantis. When your twin was targeted by the Dark Ones through the wealthy members of the community, Ruby offered to fight him and allow injury to himself and even give his own life if necessary so that your twin could win and be free. Ruby felt indebted to to your twin because he had given his family members many riches and help for a long time. Ruby was still carrying karmic feelings of indebtedness for betraying your twin in Atlantis. The man who killed you was aware of the fictitious fight and planned to distract your twin by using you so that Ruby would have to win or harm your twin in order to conceal the fact that the fight was actually staged. This was a setup and it has led to your twin feeling not only betrayed, but that his presence in your life is detrimental. This was success in the eyes of the dark ones. To have your twin feel he is not good for you, thus keeping you both in separation by your love's own volition. This is something they do with twins everywhere, finding ingenious ways to keep them in separation through emotional weakness and doubt. You will both need to learn to defeat this by living from love and only love with each other. Resistance I don't know what else she said, because all I really could think about was the fight. I was in suspension, feeling immense pain and being separate from my love and our girls. I saw flashes of the dark island. My love was once a peaceful man with such great power and a deep connection to the sun. How How has he become this angry pirate? Why are we doing this? Is any of this real? I longed for my home in Atlantis. I wanted my life back, my family. My daughter's faces were embedded in my mind as I saw our garden and our fountains. I began to sob and cry out loud, screaming, I want to go home. Where are you, God? I wanted my home in the hills more than anything. Please. I began rolling and tumbling. At first, I could see nothing. But then, just when I thought I would never stop spinning, I landed Looking from above at the city of lights, I knew it instantly it was Atlantis. I was home. In the distance, I saw our dome home in the hills. I longed to go there. I felt myself moving quickly towards it, home at last. Thank you. I walked around our home, taking in the luscious colors, ethereal decor, everything, as if seeing it for the first time. I heard the fountains gently spraying water on our plants. Looking at the winding staircase lined by a bamboo railing, I imagined our girls running up and down them. I stayed there for what felt like forever. A breeze came through the large kitchen wall of windows overlooking the sea. I moved towards the secret garden, and it was just as I remembered it. I wondered, can I immerse myself back into this life? Can I change the future? At first, I began bargaining with the Supreme Creator, making all sorts of promises to be different. But after a while, I pleaded, I want to stay here. I'm never leaving this place. Make it all go away, the bad things that happened. I want to reenter my life here. I will do anything you ask. But instead of going back into my life, without warning, I felt the pull I tried hard to resist it. No, no, no! I begged and sobbed, reluctantly finding myself back alongside my guide on the bench, desperately hoping she would reveal the way to get back home for good. You cannot go back. Healing the present changes the past, but going back to the past recreates it. You are in resistance to the flow. You have to move forward, learn, and heal what caused the separation with your twin in Atlantis the first time. After you have done that, you will be home again in the turnaround time. If you went back now, you would recreate the split again. You need to learn and heal from what happened. Trust this process. You are now experiencing the memories in your life review. There are deeply held emotions in your soul that need more healing but you must keep moving forward. Each lifetime will carry the emotions of other lifetimes. Each feeling you have impacts the one soul of both of you. Each life is formed by the other lives. All these lives are happening simultaneously, despite the fact that they are experienced as linear. They are mutually affecting one another. Each life keeps affecting the others until all timelines will meet and unite in the turnaround time. At that time, all twins will have a chance to reunite and heal fully through the returned healed presence and balance between the masculine and the feminine. Great love will be the dominant force on the planet again. Your twin's relentless anger at being trapped and set up in Atlantis has burned a rage so deep in him that he is drawn to angry, powerful roles, no matter what the consequences. This choice is not conscious. The emotions he did not heal in one life draw him to the next so that he can experience them again and heal them. This is his karma. All that is denied or unhealed will be attracted by the soul repeatedly until one can create different outcomes through choices made from love. Your love is experiencing rage against the powers that be, the dark ones. He has lost all faith. He carries great regret at having left you behind in Atlantis and bitterly blames himself for your death and even for the great destruction in Atlantis and now your death again. He is not able to feel his own pain and grief because he does not feel worthy. He feels lost. He feels self-blame and that he has failed to protect you and all of mankind. He has decided that fighting is the only answer. the great switch. I felt a horrible nausea. Everything went black. Where am I? What is happening? Strangely, I found myself on the dark island. I knew this despite having never actually been on the island. In the afterlife, you just know things. There were bamboo trees, huts, and small women dancing in the streets. Live music was everywhere, and children played on the dirt roads. It looked like a village of people who lived mostly on the streets. At first, I saw no men anywhere, only women. Walking around, I could tell no one could see me. There were volcanoes, at least that's what they looked like to me. I saw no one around them, but at the base of one volcano were doors. I really wanted to leave, but I had no ability to do that. I was stuck, trapped by a force holding me down. I started to scream. No one heard me. A small woman with dark curly hair and a stick in her hand appeared. She looked beautiful on the outside, but her stare was cold and empty. She looked at me with a steady, chilling gaze while slurling her hips at me seductively and said, There is no way out. She showed me the way to a room inside the volcano. Walking in, I saw many men sitting, having a meal. They were eating dead animal parts. I was revolted. They looked ill, all of them. They had their feet shackled. No one spoke. Behind them, there were small caged rooms with more chained men. I found myself in a room filled with cloudy, smoke-filled air. I again recognized the scent of the smoke from the festival long ago. There were curtains hanging everywhere covering the small rooms where men were shackled to couches. I saw women go from man to man, giving them pipes to smoke as the men were sedated. Then I saw the women giving them injections. I don't know what was in them. Some of these women were having sex with the men. Others would take their small hands, cup them over the men's testicles, and appear to take life energy from within the men. The women would then place this energy from the men into themselves by placing their hands over their own bellies while dancing frenetically. The women were also switching energy between men there and putting energy from the men of the sun into the men of the moon and vice versa in the same way, taking it from the testicles and placing it in the bellies. I watched in horror when I felt a woman's hands on my groin. In all my days, I have never experienced anything like this. I felt completely and utterly drained beyond words. I could not speak or move. I was paralyzed. I wished for my death. I felt empty. I looked down at myself and saw a man's body in place of mine. Lifting my now masculine hand to examine myself further, I suddenly realized that I was living in one of my love's memories. I was him now. As one woman was approaching me, I screamed. I wanted to get out of here, but my lips did not move. I was frozen. She was on top of me. I felt drugged and alone in the worst nightmare imaginable. Just when it seemed that I could not go on one more minute, I was back on the bench. This is what your twin went through on the dark island. To explain further, because you and your twin are one soul, you experience what happened to him within yourself. All memories can be experienced within the one soul of twins. There is a memory transfer between twins. Thus, you remembered his time on the Dark Island as your own. Most of the women on the Dark Island were the lost children conceived at the festivals in the docks in Atlantis. Because they were not conceived within loving relationships, many grew on the streets, were abandoned, and sent to live and work on the Dark Island as puppets for the Dark Ones. This role gave them a feeling of purpose. They were trained sorceresses. They had many more children, often with the prisoners, and produced more lost children. They were part of the agenda by the Dark Ones to undermine the Atlantean Men of the Sun and their presence on the planet. The Lemurians, known as Men of the Moon, were being undermined as well. These Men of the Moon were aware of the activities of the Dark Ones on the Dark Island and had been trying to stop the madness. Most Men of the Moon were the healers and protectors of the planet, while the Men of the Sun were the teachers and leaders grounding masculine energy and great light on the planet. The goal of the Dark Ones was to drain Men of the Sun of their inner serpent, The lost children, now grown women, would take this life energy into their own bodies to fuel and energize themselves and replace their feelings of loss and lack of love. The great switch occurred easily after draining the men of the sun of the Inner Serpent. Their energy fields were now weak and therefore easily assimilated serums injected by the women who through their sorcery would take memories from the souls of the men of the moon and place them inside the men of the sun and vice versa, switching their energies just as you saw and felt. Many men of the moon then tried to become men of the sun and lead and teach when they were actually healers and protectors of the earth. Many men of the sun tried to become healers of the earth when in reality they were spiritual leaders and teachers and meant to ground the masculine light. Things got very confusing as men could no longer be themselves and were trying to be someone else. This was the worst kind of black magic at work and a fast way to dismantle the energy fields of the masculine. Over time, the masculine became lost with no way to get grounded on the planet. Most men became soldiers for the Dark Ones instead, and oppression of the feminine was now a natural result. Men needed to find their lost power, and they took on the arti of the Dark Ones to do this. The arti of the Dark Ones created feelings in the men of the sun of hating the feminine. The feminine was a threat to the Dark Ones because it called the masculine in to join it, healing the twin union and bringing great love to the planet. This is a love that would allow no place for darkness and would push the others behind the dark ones, off the planet, back where they came from. Because your twin began to see himself as if he were from the moon, he will spend several lifetimes in conflict about who he is, who he is supposed to help, and how. He has trauma imprinted in him and many erroneous beliefs from the dark island. He can no longer trust anyone. As a cross warrior, he is accustomed to living in both the world of the dark and the world of the light, but he has forgotten his true nature. He feels that he must save, heal, and protect people everywhere as a great obligation and duty, as a man of the moon, rather than be a man of the sun, bringing in the masculine through his presence by guiding and teaching. His greatest fear is that you will not forgive him, Because of his unanswered cries for help on the dark island and your rejection of him, he feels you do not listen to him and that no one will hear him in his time of need. He is in turmoil and struggling to feel good about himself, feeling that he let everyone down in a failed, misunderstood mission to protect Atlantis. He will blame himself for the great destruction in Atlantis and especially for the downfall of your life, home, and family. The less he is himself, the less he can heal and return to you. This loss of your masculine side will leave you with a feeling of incompleteness. All this will heal in time as twins will all return to one another when they are truly themselves. You will remember all of this in the turnaround time, and you will assist your twin to heal the great switch in himself and help other feminine twins do the same for their masculine twins. It is important to remember that there are many who do not want the great switch reversed because as twins unite fully, the planet will heal and the dark ones will have no place on earth any longer. Can you forgive your love for leaving in Atlantis? Can you forgive yourself for not acknowledging your own feelings about his leaving, his decisions, his denials, and ultimately his transgressions on the dark island? Can you forgive yourself for your own descent into darkness at the festival? Can you forgive yourself for not taking him back? You feel inside that you should have known better. You have blamed and shut down your connection to your own origins from the women of the divine feminine order. You have forgotten your abilities and gifts of healing, wisdom dispensing, and assisting. You have not been your own true self for a long time. All of this has drawn you to the fight, a lifetime where you both experience the results of fear-based decisions, emotions denied, and the refusal to forgive, and the self-blame you each feel. In order to be who you are in your one soul and to unify as one soul, you cannot be in a state of denial, fear, and self-blame. As long as your twin denies who he is, refuses to forgive himself and you, and tries to fight rather than feel and return to himself as a man of the sun, he cannot be himself and risks being a soldier for the dark one. Your refusal to forgive yourself and him for his not realizing what his leaving would do to you and the children, and for putting his work in the world first, leads you to become a puppet for the Libbers, the female counterparts of the Dark Ones. You have blamed one another for what has happened to you by the Dark Ones, as if the two of you created this darkness, which you have not. I felt an insidious shame departing from within me deep inside where I always believed we created the darkness in that moment I spoke to the supreme creator and I prayed please help me to heal this and as I prayed I felt him answer me from my own inner knowing that all would be healed uncontrollable flashes from my childhood in Atlantis filled my being until finding myself there again Chapter 5, Growing Up in Atlantis. As a young girl in Atlantis, my mother told me that the loving angels would come to me, and they certainly did. I loved my time with them more than anything else in the world. They were my own special dancing angels. I loved looking up at the clouds, seeing the blue sky, and talking to them. I could hear them singing, and through their music they would teach me. This was a time of innocence and purity before the great destruction. You will one day meet your twin soul, the masculine side of your one soul. You will complement each other perfectly like matching bookends. The recognition of your twin soul will come from deep within you. This recognition may not be confirmed by others. Look only to your inner knowing and feelings for the truth of who your twin is. In the physical presence of your twin, you will come into yourself fully. It will compel you to embark on your life's true work and service. Each twin soul pair has a dominant soul purpose. You will know yours in time. This purpose is expressed most completely when you are in union. Until then, you can make the soul call to him every day with an open heart, and that will draw him to you. But for this to work you must want to be with him more than anything else you must also be ready for the challenge that comes with the soul call because everything you fear will show up to heal what stands between you there can be no fear in the twin soul relationship fear will separate you love will unite you always remember that you are one soul in your bodies even when you lose each other again and again only to find each other once again, each time bringing more to the wholeness of your one soul. You will go your separate ways and through this become balanced within your own half. When you come back together, you will instantly transfer to one another the emotional lessons that you learned while apart. This emotional transference happens between twin souls all the time, but is magnified when you are in the presence of one another and even more so when in a physical union. The Soul Call. I understood their teachings, but I lived a sheltered life and spent most of my free time alone. I had not yet experienced romantic love. Yet on this day, I felt a strong pull. Is this the pull to my twin soul? I had no face that I could picture. I wondered where he was and if we would truly find one another. Lying down on the sand, I looked up at the blue sky and bright sun, I made the soul call. Putting my hand on my heart, I asked, are you there? I said it and I meant it with every ounce of my being. I put my hands in the air as if to grab his, come to me. No one responded. I asked again, nothing. In that moment, I made a decision. I told the Supreme Creator, there will be no one else for me but him. I affirmed this out loud. Then, as if the words were coming from some higher place, I vowed, I am ready for you. I am willing to feel everything, even my fear. I choose love. I choose you. I am open for you. I will hold space for you always, and only you. Nothing much happened as I laid there resting for a long time, enjoying the ocean breeze, dozing off with my hands on my heart while feeling the longing for my twin within me. I felt a cold breeze as the clouds moved in. I heard my mother calling me in my mind. She told me a storm was approaching and to come home immediately. When apart, my mother and I communicated mainly through our minds, which was normal in Atlantis for many. Reluctantly, I rolled around to stand and embark upon my regular walk home from my favorite path behind the beach and through the plush forest to the hills. Reassuring my mother, I told her where I was. She could feel me heading home as I felt her sigh in relief. She told me how long I had until the storm would hit the shore Okay, Mom, don't worry, I reassured her in my mind. Skipping along the path I loved, I had an ongoing rapport with many little creatures. Singing with the birds flying beside me, I talked to the small animals and insects, and they talked back in their language, which I fully understood. One tiny yellow bird coaxed me off the path. I followed him through an overgrown path. I felt my mother calling me home loudly, but I ignored her because I wanted to see what the yellow bird would show me. The skies continued to darken, but I was not scared. I planned to run home soon. As the path cleared, I saw the falls at Oakmont. Skipping along, I stopped to remove my sandals to wet my toes in the water. Soon, I forgot a storm was even approaching. I felt mesmerized by the sounds of the waterfall when I heard laughter. There were boys playing near the other waterfall across the way. My inner eye allowed me to see them clearly, even while being quite far away. I was used to using my inner eye. It allowed me to see the colors around people. The boys looked like golden suns swimming in the water, except for one purple boy. Surrounded by bright purple light, he dove into the water again and again, each time diving farther, trying to increase his distance. I could feel his delight and feelings of triumph with some jumps and with others his disappointment. I easily felt all his emotions as if they were mine. I found this to be amusing and strange all at the same time. As I watched, I saw a cord of light connecting me to the purple boy. I felt lightheaded and dizzy. I faintly heard my mother send my father for me while I started falling into the shallow water. I felt the hand of the purple boy in mine. We were looking into each other's eyes in silence. I knew then, without any doubt, that he was my twin soul. As I opened my eyes, I expected to see his eyes, but instead I saw my father's kind face leaning over me as he was picking me up. It was raining hard, and the purple boy was gone. This was my first blast. The First Activation After my father rescued me, I slept all night and the whole next day. When I woke up, I watched the sun setting through the large glass wall in my bedroom. I felt different, more grown up. I saw pictures in my mind of the falls and the purple boy from the day before. Going over every detail in my mind, I felt a longing and ache for him. As I sat with these feelings, I heard my guide speaking to me in my mind. Being in the physical presence of your twin soul for the first time opens a gateway of great love between you. This first activation will change you permanently. The journey you are meant to live is exposed. The reason you are here and your soul's true purpose is revealed. This does not mean you will unite with your twin upon the first meeting. It does mean, though, that you will never be the same again. The first meeting causes a sudden urge to become more of who you really are to fulfill your soul's calling. Besides launching you on the right path, the first activation is a powerful, unforgettable moment that triggers immense longing, exposing the loss from the initial split between you and your twin when your one soul became two. The encounter with my twin soul did change me. I began my work as an assistant that very day. Villagers were now coming to me in the dream time, requesting my help. Feelings and pictures of their faces throughout the day would magically guide me to them. My parents were very protective and always accompanied me while I assisted in the village. I was still young, and there were dangerous uprisings in the community. My mother had received a prophecy in the dream time shortly after my birth that I was a lineage healer. This was all part of a higher plan that my mother seemed to know more about than she shared. From the time I saw my twin soul for the first time, the prophecy began manifesting. All the while, my love was moving into his own calling, unaware that it was being near me that had activated him. He went off sailing for many years to train in sea school with the elders of the ancient brothers and sisters to become a cross warrior. The elders were the oldest and wisest members of the ancient brothers and sisters, While he was away with them, he learned about the code. The code was the original plan for humanity before darkness entered the land. He was to be part of a team of keepers of the code. The code's knowledge would be embedded in his soul for all of time and be released in the turnaround time simply by returning to himself. Sky School, The Tribe and the Initial Split I was busy assisting and attending Sky School regularly. Here, advanced master shamans of light would guide us into a trance state so we could attend class in the unseen world while still in the physical world. The veil of forgetfulness would prevent us from remembering the knowledge we acquired in these classes upon awakening and was meant to protect our souls from information we were not yet ready for in the physical world. Nevertheless, our souls recorded everything verbatim so that the timer could release our memories of the information learned at the right time. In Sky Stool, we always had lessons with the the same group and different guides would teach us. This is your tribe. You are all connected. As each one of you heals, it spreads among you. You will always support each other in the physical world. Each of you, along with your twins, will reside in different territories on the planet to assist in the removal of darkness through the great love between you. The light from your union as twin souls will transform and heal each territory. Over time, many of you will meet one another even while living in different geographical zones, and the connections between sets of twins will form a grid of great love that extends everywhere. The initial split from your twin happens just before the first incarnation on earth. As the one soul splits into two, the loss and grief from that separation is held and imprinted in the one soul for all time. The circumstances and feelings from the initial split in the first lifetime are the most important to heal. The separation trauma between twins is replayed in every lifetime, either with the twin or in other relationships. As you come home to yourself and rejoin with your twin, you will feel great love in your soul, also feel unexplained great loss. This makes it a challenge to stay in union. Many will want to run from this feeling and therefore from one another. Because of the law of duality on earth where everything exists as opposites, the one soul splits into two upon incarnation into yin or yang and retains this as a primary essence for all time, regardless of the sex of the physical body. Each will continue incarnating as one half of the one soul in that primary essence, yin or yang, until reunification with the twin soul in the turnaround time. When the soul splits and the yin half enters one body while the yang half enters another, each half retains a bit of the opposite sex polarity within it, but you are always yin or yang in primary essence. Driven by the loss of the other half, feelings of being lost, broken, and incomplete are deep within you upon incarnation. In this state of broken essence, there is no awareness that these feelings come from the initial split in order to enter a body and inhabit a planet dominated by the law of duality and separation from your other half once in the body, the veil of forgetfulness that encapsulates an individual just before birth in the physical world causes amnesia. Many will identify with themselves as only the body they inhabit, forgetting they are spiritual beings with the twin soul. Your body houses your primary essence, yin or yang. As a soul half of one soul as each soul half or twin soul enters a body it develops and is molded by the beliefs atmosphere era parents emotional wounds and culture in which it is born each soul half whether yin or yang has the option to spend lifetimes incarnating in a body of the opposite sex polarity to develop the opposite sex quality within This soothes the loss of the twin and helps to develop compassion and understanding for the twin holding the opposite sex primary essence, thereby creating more love and acceptance for your twin, which opens the door to unifying. As each of you becomes whole and balanced in yourselves, a memory is stirred and the pull towards your other half strengthens. If you are afraid to face yourself in any way, you will be drawn to soulmate relationships in order to learn and grow and be able to withstand the feelings of merging with the twin where all wounds are greatly magnified. Self-love and forgiveness enables you to magnetize your twin, a relationship where you revert back to your original primary essence after having developed the opposite essence quality within and reaching a feeling of wholeness. This is the paradox of feeling whole and feeling incomplete at the same time, for it is the very feeling of balance within that strengthens you to remember your other half. As you develop your twin's primary essence, which is opposite your own primary essence, you draw your twin towards you. This is because you are one soul and your twin can feel you developing their essence inside you. This acceptance of them within you opens the door to their return. This is why wholeness and balance of the masculine and the feminine within is a prerequisite for unification. In the final lifetime, where unification with the twin is the goal, a body is inhabited that mimics the original primary essence. You therefore become more masculine yang or more feminine yin as you were in the beginning. You reclaim your primary essence. Now you move towards your twin. The two halves can become one. The normalization of separateness in each soul half will lead many to believe that they do not need anyone. The livers will convince most of humanity that you do not belong to anyone but yourself. This will confuse many. If you choose to ignore the pull to your twin from cultural conditioning and the Libra's mind distortions, you may find yourself in resistance and choosing fear over love, which repels the twin. The other half of your soul cannot come to you if you are not in a loving acceptance of him or her. If you can overcome fear, then you will be drawn back to your twin, but you have to face your fears and great loss from the initial split. The real purpose of human life is to grow in love despite separation in a land of duality where opposites are present dark magnifies light hate magnifies love and separation magnifies union the agenda behind the gap after sky school each day we would talk to each each talk with our own guides in our minds Despite forgetting the lessons learned in Sky School once in the physical world, the veil would not block the memories of conversations with our guides afterwards. The guides' messages were often powerful and relevant to daily life. The code has been broken into by the Dark Ones. It has enabled them to rupture sacred knowledge in connection with the ancient brothers and sisters and their knowledge of the Supreme Creator. Focus on love, not fear. Atlantis had always been protected by the code held within the energy fields of the ancient brothers and sisters I would share my guides wisdom with my parents who themselves were descended from the ancient brothers and sisters My mother would panic saying I knew too much and urge me never to share this information with anyone for fear of my safety Because of this most of my time was spent around the home while my mother would monitor events using her supreme intuition to alert us to what was going on elsewhere Over time, though, because of my parents' fears, I often forgot the wisdom from my guide. As my own fear grew, I would forget more and more. And this forgetfulness stayed with me for the rest of my life. By the time I reached adulthood, I turned a blind eye to the happenings in Atlantis. And while there were hints of intrusions from the dark ones around, much of this appeared to be happening on islands nearby, but not in Atlantis itself so we continued our daily life as usual. My father was a landscaper and knew that the dark ones could be phased out through the sun's light and infrastructure in Atlantis together with sound wave technology. He was working on this, as were many others. My mother occasionally spoke of rumors that there would be a few special men known as cross warriors who would stop the invasions by the dark ones. Everyone figured that things would eventually settle down. For a long time, it seemed that the Dark Ones were not around anymore. We did not know this was the quiet before the storm. The Dark Ones were so clever at immersing themselves in an insidious, natural manner that their presence was not obvious. As I grew, I began to assist in healing ceremonies in the nursery that I attended as a younger child. I loved it there. The nursery was my favorite place. The teacher who once taught me now became my friend. Her partner was a transportation specialist who spent his days and nights inventing and implementing forms of advanced transportation methods. I knew she had a son and that he was traveling in the sea, but I did not know that he was my love and twin soul, the purple boy. In the late afternoons, my father would pick me up from the nursery and we would have a long, quiet walk home. On occasion, when he could not get me, I would stay overnight in the nursery. My mother did not want me to walk home through the village alone. There were protests in the village and an uprising by gypsies in the community, many of whom were the lost children, now forming a group of rebels. Most of us did not understand the lost children and saw them as troublemakers. I was always curious about them, but was strictly forbidden by my parents to interact with them. The nursery itself was a very safe place. An energy field had been constructed through the force field of light that would not allow any harm to enter the nursery. Force fields of protection were commonplace in Atlantis. The shamans of light, who were great beings with awakened hearts, focused, specialized in force field placement. These force fields were crucial to the safety of the community. Unknown to any of us, the Dark Ones sent the Libbers to apprentice with the shamans of the light. The Libbers slowly learned all of their mystical methods, but they did not have awakened hearts. These frauds, which were Libbers presenting as shamans of light, began to dismantle force fields of protection everywhere. This was critical in the slow takeover by the Dark Ones and enabled their covert takeover. Most of us did not realize what happened until it was much too late and they had already imbued into society. The agenda of the dark ones was to destroy family units by targeting the many twin souls in Atlanta and cre- Atlantis and create the gap between all twins. The women's liberation movement aided the agenda by turning most women against men. My mother warned that the liberals were highly destructive and were changing the natural order of the feminine energy on the planet. I did not understand this at that time, nor did I ever imagine that one day in the future I would become a liber myself. The Libbers. The Libbers recruited me after the final conversation. I went against my own mother in joining them. I still remember the day in the village when the lead liber approached me. She was an art teacher and healer in the village, utilizing artwork to help the lost children. On the outside, she seemed to be a great person. It was too bad that I did not notice my own feelings and intuition warning me to stay away from her. I was so impressed by her sense of freedom and adventures as well as her commitment to helping the lost children that I ignored what I felt. She invited me to a livers meeting, and it was nice to be surrounded by women who were in the same predicament as me, having been abandoned by their men. I was unaware that the lead-liber was targeting women of the Divine Feminine Order. To do this, she learned how to perform healing and appear noble in the community to attract the women of the Divine Order of the Feminine, diminishing the presence of the feminine on the planet and drawing women away from their twins. The lead-liber was equally deceptive with men, appearing as a friend to many, but was highly promiscuous and seductive as to draw men away from their twins, too. The Women's Liberation Movement, while it appeared to support women's independence, was really trying to influence women to see men as unnecessary, as nuisances, and as only good enough to be protectors, procreators, and providers. I did not realize that, as liberals, we were learning to devalue men, to be man-haters, and that the more we hated men, the farther we got from our twins. The key to a balanced civilization is harmony between the masculine and the feminine. The Libbers knew this, so separating twins in union who hold the highest level of love was their weapon. They had an elaborate system and hierarchy within a pyramid structure. The Libbers at the base were made of the female spirits trapped in the afterlife. These earthbound spirits attached to women in the physical world, much as the dark ones did to men in the physical world. Each liber had a role, a place of influence, a woman or group of women to influence, and an area in society where she could exude her presence. At the top of the pyramid were a handful of libers who dominated this entire organization. They were angry and vengeful and are still a threat today. The women's liberation movement was in direct opposition to the women of the divine feminine order, The Libbers had a goal of moving women away from the divine feminine order, away from their twins, and to use their gifts as healers and seers for their own self-gain. The Libbers have damaged the order throughout recorded history and before. The women of the order have been so damaged that many have forgotten who they are and have lost their gifts. Many have had lifetimes of suppression and confusion and have not been able to regain enough of themselves to invite their twin souls back to them, the men of the sun. The Big Split The Big Split, a main objective of the agenda, started in Atlantis when women grew in their alliance with the Libbers as a direct result of the powerlessness and suppression they felt in the patriarchy the Dark Ones created. Many men of the sun were led away from their homes, their families, and their twins in battles created by the dark ones that dismantled energy fields everywhere. The men of the sun believed that if they were protecting everyone, they would please their women. Beneath every man was a deep fear that his woman would not want him because he failed to protect her. Women stopped listening to their own feelings and desire for their own male halves. They started to see men as cowardly and inept if they did not fight. The livers said to women, your man is nothing unless he protects you. This situation disrupted all personal relationships between men and women and kept the livers in control. As long as men were leaving to fight, they had free reign to the women who felt abandoned and alone. In fact, the livers were actually actively trying to decrease the population of men, to have women rule, and to keep only enough men around to reproduce mainly during their young years. War was the fastest way to kill many men. So while it was the Dark Ones who created war, the liberals now benefited from it. After the life in Atlantis, I forever felt self-hatred for becoming a Liber and hurting my love. I decided to stay in the background during many lifetimes. Inside myself, though, I still carried anger at him. The gap created by the big split was growing between us. We had become victims of the agenda. The memories of my child in Atlantis began to fade, and I found myself back with my guide on the bench after visiting our home on the hills just after passing in the pirate life. Even with all that went wrong in Atlantis, I still felt comforted going back there. The look in her eyes, though, told me that I would have to move forward. As I was getting ready to tell her that I really did not want to go, I felt the pull back to the physical world. And thus ends Chapter 5 of the Turnaround Time. Oh, thank you so much for joining me this evening for the story time. I'm finding myself caught up in the movement of the action and <laughs> holding my breath at times all while trying to read. <laughs> um, this is Pages and Stages, and my name is Joelle. I'm the librarian. I thank you for tuning in this evening and invite you back next Sunday as we begin the next stage, which is going to be Chapter 6. And in the meantime, this week, I wish you all of the abundance that you can possibly hold because it is yours for the taking and receiving. And as it spills out over your arms and flows into the world around you, it will bless others as well. The light in me absolutely honors the light in you. Namaste.